Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. I'm Henry Chisholm. Um, this is the weird podcast that we're trying this week. Um, instead of the normal schedule, uh, we're throwing a podcast on the weekend so that I can talk about the Buffs basketball game a little bit quicker after the game and you guys don't have to wait another 24 hours when all that's gotten stale. Um, where do you even start? Um... It was a weird day. This is Sunday night that I'm recording this because I kind of figured that I would give the day as much time as possible to like come out with news about Mel's coaching staff in Michigan State or um, the Buffs having rumored interest in some coach, um, but nothing happened. And it's been a couple of days of nothing happening. Um, I'm going to talk more about football stuff and what to expect from that uh, coming up in the next few days. And also about how weird it's been that things have just kind of gone quiet for 48 hours now, maybe. it's It's been weird. It's been weird. Um, makes you wonder what the buffs are up to. Um yeah, so we'll dig into that later on. First, I want to talk about basketball. I hope you guys all had a great Valentine's Day. I didn't realize it was Valentine's Day when we talked the last time. Um, yeah, we don't need to dig into that. I did see Zookeeper, though, for the first time in like months. You like diehard listeners who have been here for a while know about Zookeeper. Um, that's Ryan's nickname for that girl I met on Tinder. Um, but But yeah, so that was cool also i went to ikea today and almost bought a bed but decided to get like a storage thing instead um it's overwhelming for sure because with everything going on i don't have time to be building furniture and all that kind of stuff so we'll see if that gets done this week i doubt it will um sports though um the buffs beat oregon state um it was a big win um, one by over 20 points and it's the fourth time now, I think that they've beaten a team by over 20 points after losing the previous game it, during PAC 12 play, they've bounced back from every single one of their losses, um, with this sort of performance. And so it shouldn't be that surprising that it happened again when they beat Oregon state 69 to 47 in Corvallis, um, they look good. They looked really good. Um, if you guys are subscribers to DNVR, you read all of my thoughts on this stuff. Um, the the primary one being that 
expecting Colorado to win that game against Oregon was unreasonable. And obviously they played well enough that they could have had a shot. Um, and, you know, things kind of tapered off there in the last couple minutes. But but they played really well and gave Oregon a good run for their money. And that's a good showing. Um it would have been great to pull that win and then beat Oregon State and then have a commanding lead in the Pac-12, but that's not what happened because it's really hard to do that. Um, as of yesterday, uh, when when the game ended, um, the there there were only six teams that had two game leads in uh, their conference in all of division one college basketball out of 32 conferences, only six had a two game lead. It's just so rare. And, and those teams that you see do that, you know, it's San Diego state, San Diego state's undefeated. They're number four in the country. It's a a huge story in college basketball this year. And part of the reason that they're have that, they have that separation is that they play in the mountain West conference. So, so they're kind of cleaning up everybody there because they're a different level of program. Um, same thing with Gonzaga. Gonzaga is uh, the number two team now, right? Are they two or one? I think they're number two right now. Um, yeah, so so Gonzaga is number two. Uh, they play in the WAC. And uh, again, there, there just isn't any competition. Um you look through the rest of the teams in their conference and there might be one that's in the top 40 in the net rankings. Um, and so, of course, they're going to be able to clean up. And and then the other teams that have those two-game leads, they're small, small conference teams. Um, you know, Stephen F. Austin has one. Um, New Mexico State is one of them. Uh you see Irvine, I think, is one. Um, so And so you just don't see it all that often, especially in Power 5 conferences. Um, so as great as it would have been to go out on the road, uh, it's it's just not... It doesn't happen all that often. There, there's a reason that home teams are... I think they were 48-18 and 18 after that game and in Pac-12 play. It might have even gotten worse than that from there. But they bounced back. They won a game on the road, which is always tough to do. You have to be happy with those road splits. And what we learned is that when you put the Buffs' backs up against the wall, they deliver. And their backs were definitely up against the wall. Right now, they're tied for first in the Pac-12 with um, Oregon. And there are a couple teams right on their heels. Uh, so Colorado and Oregon are at 9-4. and four. Arizona, Arizona State are at eight and four USC UCLA at eight and five that's half the conference within one game it's gonna make for a pretty wild ride to the finish and I'm really excited about that um yeah I I I think that coming into this year if you were to say with five games to play Colorado would be tied for first place in the conference none of us would have complained none of us would have complained at all you know they were picked second in the conference uh, I think they tied, they split with Oregon, the first place votes. Um, this is how things were kind of supposed to shake out. And even though you look back and see those opportunities for Colorado, whether it's the Oregon game, when they really were in that game late, and they get a couple bounces, 
who knows if that could have just gone differently. Uh, you look back at the UCLA game. You look back at the Arizona game, which was a tough game and probably one that they weren't going to win, but they come out a little bit hotter. Maybe something changes. And then Oregon State, that's the one that probably hurts the worst. Um, of, of those four losses, you can be disappointed in them um, and, and be frustrated, but don't think that Colorado is the only team that has losses like those. And every team has those losses, except for San Diego State, which is perfect, but that's the Mountain West. You, you look through the Pac-12, Oregon lost to Oregon State too. Oregon lost to Stanford, you know, pretty good team. Um, Washington State, nobody should be losing to Washington State in the Pac-12. Um, then, of course, Colorado. You know, Oregon fans can do the exact same thing that Buffs fans are doing. You know, go, getting in their head, thinking back, being disappointed, saying, how are we only 9-4? and four? We're too good. We're losing to these bad teams. But that's just the way that college basketball works. That's why it's so much fun to watch. You know, you, you can't say we're here because we like how unpredictable this sport is. You compare it to the NBA where you pretty much know what's going to happen year in and year out. You don't in college basketball. It's unpredictable. There are upsets everywhere. And sometimes you end up on the wrong end of those. That's what's happened to the Buffs a few times, and that's what's happened to pretty much every team in the country. You know, it's 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 not a, a Colorado thing. It's something that every fan base is disappointed in. Um, and so that's kind of my biggest takeaway. Um, and if you read my column, you know that. Uh, but but that's that's where I'm at. Colorado is in a good spot. Do they have the easiest path to the end? No, they don't. They only play two of their final five games at home. You'd like to see more than that. But I don't know what is so scary about this. You know, next up, they play USC in Boulder. You know, it's it, USC is a good basketball team, but the Buffs should win that one. Um, then they host UCLA. Again, you feel pretty good about that. On the road at Cal, Cal's 10-15. and 15. Uh, On the road at Stanford, that's going to be a tough game, but who knows? You know, Tad's, Tad's been saying that they need one road sweep. Looks like that's going to have to be the one. And then they finish the season at Utah. Again, Colorado is more talented than that team, just like the rest of these. It's not the easiest path to the finish. Um, now, I'm not trying to say that it is, but give the Buffs some credit. You know, even looking at Oregon's schedule, on the road, at Arizona State, at Arizona, those could both be losses. Then at home against Oregon State, but they've already lost to Oregon State. Uh, and then home against Cal and Stanford. You know, I bet they win those games. I'm not, I'm not concerned about what's on the way here you know Arizona's finally hitting its stride that's a really good basketball team but who knows they have to go on the road to USC no nobody has anything just in the bag right now and I've seen some people talking like the buffs are kind of out of it because they are in this tough spot but again the one thing we've learned about the buffs this season is that they are resilient maybe not within games. And I think uh, I definitely wouldn't say that they're not resilient within games. I wouldn't say that they can't bounce back. We've seen them bounce back. We've seen them go on runs. 
Um, but again, there are a lot of basketball games and you lose some of them. That's the way it works. In terms of the bigger picture, the being able to bounce back from losses, they've proven they can do that. And every time their back has been against the wall and we've said, wow, the Buffs would be in a tough spot if they don't pull this one out, they've pulled it out. And that's why I'm pretty confident in this position. I'm not necessarily saying that the Buffs are the favorite to win the conference, but I think you could definitely make that argument. Um, Again, it's packed at the top. It's packed at the top, and we'll see tomorrow what the voters think of Colorado because it's going to be interesting. I think right now Colorado is 11th in the country in net. Um, The net rankings, that's, again, I think I've explained this before, but essentially you take the the margin of victory for the buffs in all of their games and then all of the other division one games eventually have this web of results that you use to rank players. And there's a lot more to it than that, but that's going to be good enough to get the point across. And that's supposed to be one of the really big factors in how the committee builds the March madness bracket. Um, if you're ranked highly there, then you're going to be a good spot, you know, being 11th, that means that you are a three seed. You're the second to last three seed. Nobody here would complain about that. I think it is interesting that Arizona, for all the struggles that they've had at different points this season, I think they're ranked eighth or ninth in the net rankings. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, so 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 they lose a game. They lose by eight to Oregon. Um, they also built a lead in that game. You know, it's that 16-17 matchup. And then they go out and blow out Oregon State on the road. Will they hold at 17? Will they jump up a couple spots? Will they drop a few spots? I don't know. Um, but it's going to be another interesting Monday, seeing how all of that plays out. Um, to get into some of the more specific details of the Oregon State game and not just the broad big picture stuff. Um, A few things really stand out. Uh, The three point shooting McKinley Wright in particular, it it surprises me that he was only two for six, but I guess what Ken does is just knock down the shots that you remember when he's in a position to where you know that he needs to have it drop when it's like a gut check type moment, he knocks it down. When it's a heat check type moment, he struggled a little bit more this season. Um, Shane Gatling made both of his. Um, Sean Schwartz was 0 for 3, 0 for 8 from the field. Tough night. Sometimes that happens for shooters. Um, you know, Tad likes to talk about, for guys like Deshaun Schwartz or guys like Shane Gatling, um, Lucas Seward as well. When, when they aren't shooting well, they need to be able to produce in other ways. Deshaun has gotten better about that. Um, I wouldn't say that he was great by any means, even not factoring in that he went 0 for 8 from the field. But I I do think that he has taken some strides in that regard. Um, Yeah, uh, in terms of other shooters, Max Daniels 2 for 4, Eli Parquet 1 of 1 from 3. But my favorite, my favorite number, actually there are two of them. Tyler Bay not shooting a three, I'm all right with that. That means he's working in the post. That means he's grinding things out down there. Um, Love that. 
Is is there value in stretching the defense, doing that kind of stuff? Yes, for sure. But I think at this point in the season, teams know that he can knock down threes if you leave him open. Um, the fact they didn't take any, it's because they really didn't leave him open. And that opened up so many other things for him. We'll get back to Tyler in a second. How about Evan Batty making his only three-point attempt? He... He, you know, he's staying after practice and shooting and you see him take those shots and you see them fall and you're like, wow, that's actually a kind of decent stroke. And what? So he, he was one of one um, against Oregon State, didn't shoot one the game before that. Before that, he was one of one. Before that, he didn't shoot one. Before that, he had two straight games where he went one for one. This is weird. He's developing as a three-point threat. The last six games, he's four for four from three. Again, that's not high volume. He's only taking the easiest looks, but he's willing to take them. And you have to remember, he's only a sophomore. There's no reason he can't come back next year. And, I mean, he's not going to make every single shot like this, but he could be a little bit more of a shooting threat, which would just open so much more up for this offense. Who knows who's still going to be around? It's going to be likely a pretty different team next year, but uh, that sort of development from a guy like Evan Batty can counteract um, losing a guy like Tyler Bay if he decides to go the draft, or even McKinley Wright, who could make that decision. Um... Lucas Seward also that's that's probably the more important one because that kind of fills that same shooting big man role um not saying that Evan Batty is going to be nearly as good of a shooter as Lucas Seward next year but he could at least help to fill that gap um can 5 of 12 13 points 10 rebounds 6 assists assists he was crashing the boards he was everywhere um he was just in charge. You'll love to see it. Then you have Tyler Bay, who had 15 rebounds, 21 points. Great performance from him. Um, did a lot of the things that he should probably be doing more often. Um, good bounce back from those two after they struggled a lot late in that Oregon game. Um, and it makes you feel a lot better about what could be coming from them in the future. I think those are the big notes. Um yeah, I, I it, it was just a, a beatdown, really. Uh, the defense was awesome. They switched to that zone. They did all sorts of different things and essentially just locked down Oregon State. Um, when you hold Trace Tinkle to 3 of 15 shooting, you're going to be winning a lot of games. Even when you're holding uh, Ethan Thompson to, uh, what was he, 7 of 17 shooting, that's pretty good there, too. You know, it wasn't just that you knocked off Trace Tinkle um, and, and kind of kept him out of things. It was that you didn't let anybody really take his place. Um, Tyler Kelly, who beat up the buffs on the boards the first time around, uh, played 30 minutes, only grabbed two rebounds. Uh, that's a lot better because he was the one who... I think Tad said something about grabbing so many rebounds. Whatever. First time around, they gave up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Kyler Kelly was a big reason why, um, in part because when you practice, this was coming from Tad, because when you practice against a zone defense, 
you can't replicate having a guy like Kyler Kelly, who's a seven footer standing in the middle of that defense, who has been learning for a couple of years now how to fill his role in that zone defense. You know, it, you just can't get that look. It's it's like in football when you're trying to game plan for Lamar Jackson. There's nobody on your scout team who can replicate what he does. You can find a guy who can re- replicate the passing. You can find a guy who can replicate the running, but you can't find that combination. And it makes it a little bit shocking to go up against. Uh, this time around, Buffs were ready, handled it. Um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I was at Blake Street Tavern for the game on Saturday against Oregon State and uh, actually met a few of you guys there. There was a decent DNVR contingent. Um, But uh, what we did there wasn't just watch basketball, but also drink some Breckenridge beers because those are the best beers that money can buy, Um, especially when you factor in the value. It's just perfect in that combination if you guys haven't tried them yet you need to get on their website get to their uh, beer locator you can pick which beer you want to try and it'll tell you where you can go to get that beer it's a great deal Um, they also just came out with the mile high city beer which is like a crossover breckenridge brewery local denver company and uh denver nuggets the local basketball team they work together to make it they're all testing it it came out incredibly well i love it um i think what's going around dnvr is that it's very drinkable i think ryan says it's like a 9 to 11 beer or no i think he says 7 to 11 as in you can have like 7 to 11 of those beers um so try that try the strawberry sky the hot peak the colorado core it's just so good. It's a great value. And you can see exactly where you need to go to get them using the Breck Beer Locator on Breckenridge Brewery's website. Also, you guys should be using this incredible offer that we have from Illegal Pete's, where essentially, if you go to an event, you can get a free margarita or beer um, if you buy an entree there. It's a steal. Their food is incredible. Again, it's a local Colorado company. That's what's most important to us. Um, We love supporting them, and they are supporting us. You can order online, skip their lines there. The atmosphere is incredible. The burritos are incredible. The burrito bowls are incredible. Um, Again, you show them your ticket from any event in Colorado that's the same day as your purchase, and you can get a free draft beer, a free margarita with the purchase of an entree. Okay. Uh, football stuff. It's been weird. Um, so in those first few days, my phone was just kind of like ringing off the hook. There were people like from everywhere who either had things to tell me or had questions to ask me about what I was hearing, all that kind of stuff. It was just constant, like going, 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 always talking, always talking, like getting texts, getting DMs from burner accounts, all this different stuff. And... I learned a lot and I was able to confirm some of it and others like could just be rumors. But then Friday night, really, things just kind of went dry. Um, not even just that nobody was interested in talking to me anymore, but also that there just weren't really any rumors coming out. Um, I think right before that, you know, we heard the enemy 
I think this was Thursday that Thursday night, Colorado had reached out to be enemy to talk about setting up an interview or something like that, gauging the interest. Um, I think that we, there, there was some weird Kapilovich rumors again, Chris Kapilovich, the buffs offensive line coach, um, Probably the best uh, non-coordinator assistant coach on staff. I, I think you look at his experience, you look at um, the way he's viewed throughout the coaching community, and you know he's kind of the the prize jewel of Colorado football's assistant coaching staff. Um, there were some rumors that he was heading to Michigan State. I, I I checked again because I knew I was going to be talking about this right before I came on the podcast and I can't find those substantiated anywhere um, at all. Uh, again, even then after that, I was like, I can't be missing this, right? Like searching his name on Twitter, searching his name on Google, um, looking at those rumors, looking at replies, uh, going to his page and seeing that it's still just all buff stuff. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, We'll kind of see how that plays out. Again, I've, I think I've said on here before that I do think he'll wind up at Michigan State just because he'll be offered more money because, you know, he, he's working with Mel. He doesn't necessarily know that he'll have a job here if he waits until the Buffs find a head coach and then the Buffs head coach sorts through his staff because the Buffs are kind of like a week behind Michigan State. And this time of year... Even if you love being in Colorado, it's it's really tough to risk the possibility that you could just wind up without a job because most of these staffs are set. And so if Mel comes calling, you kind of have to listen at the very least. Um, Jeff Martson, the director of player personnel, uh, essentially runs a lot of the recruiting type stuff. He is going to... Michigan State. I actually haven't seen if they've announced what exactly he's doing. Um, maybe that's still to be determined. But uh, I think he he tweeted something like "Go Green" or something like that. And again, I think I can't remember if that was Thursday or Friday, but it was before that time, Friday night, when everything just shut off. Um, also worth noting that. Uh, Mel has hired two assistant coaches. You'll remember that uh, Mel was not keeping any of uh, the the current assistant coaching staff. That was the plan, at least. You know, that was the report that came out. Um, but uh, when was this one? This one was the 15th. So I guess this was yesterday. So one thing did come out. Um, Ron Burton who's been an assistant there for a while, changed his mind, according to the Detroit Free Press, and will be the defensive line coach next year. Uh, Mike Tressel was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. He's going to join Mel's staff, but they haven't um, decided what his role is going to be. Um, and, and so this is kind of like the weird thing, where we don't really know where some of these guys are going to fit in. You know, if we if they said he's going to be the outside linebackers coach, then Brian Michalowski is likely not going to get offered a job in at Michigan State because that's what he does at Colorado, if that makes sense. So you can kind of see which position he fills. You know, if he, if he hires an offensive line coach, then it's like, oh, Kapilovic might be safe in Boulder. Um, 
it's also true that we don't really know what roles Mel is going to create. It's not like the actual football team where you need a quarterback. You need a running back. You know, it's it's kind of you can you can come up with your own positions. You can bring in guys to do different things. You can split a job in two. You can combine jobs. All this different stuff. Um, so we'll be following. I'm uh, I'm kind of just waiting for something to happen so I can release DNVR's uh, coaching search tracker, and it will have updates with all of the different rumors that come out. Somebody going somewhere. Somebody staying. Um, but I, I kind of want a real report, you know, that there's going to be an interview, there's going to be something, because if I dropped it now, there'd just be nothing to say. Um, so keep an eye on that. We'll keep you updated there, and obviously on the podcast as well. But again, just a weirdly quiet couple of days. Um, Mike Kliss uh, from Nine News has been um, surprisingly involved reporting through this search. Um, Again, I'm new covering Colorado. I'm coming up on my, what, nine months or so here. Uh, In those nine months, I haven't seen much interest from Kliss in anything, and I'd be interested in who his sources are. You know, he reported that um, there, there is no, like favorite to land the position right now uh I, I read his story that he wrote and it sounds like he talked to the sports information staff david platty um and asked something for rick george and rick told platty that there is no favorite and platty told Cliss that um but Cliss says that sources say that the enemy the favorite Again, I'd be interested to know who those sources are. Um, I, think, I don't want to say that Cliss doesn't have sources because he's he's been covering sports here for for, for so long. Um, he has a bunch of Broncos sources. Again, that's kind of he has a weird relationship with that team um, because of some like contractual stuff. But I don't know uh, because what I'm hearing is totally different than that. Um, I'm hearing that Bienemy is you know uh, that the, the, there are so many things at play um when it comes to be enemy there was how he left last time um the relationships that have changed because of how he left um the the incidents the legal incidents when he was in college and then later in the nfl you know when he was in the nfl he got in trouble in boulder again and got banned from campus for a year. So you do have all of that stuff in the past. My my gut would say the bus probably want to just stick away, stay away from that situation. Um, and I've heard some of similar sentiments from people who um, are involved in the program that that would be their inclination as well. But who knows? Um, maybe I'm missing something here. Um, Again, it's 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 been weird. People haven't been nearly as talkative the last couple of days. Um, there just isn't much coming out about this coaching search. Um, Rick George and Lance Carl are doing the whole thing. There's there's no outside help. There's no recruiting firm or job whatever helping them find candidates. Um, it's primarily just those two talking through things and then presumably calling up an agent, seeing if they can set up an interview or if there's interest. Um, 
sounds like they're still pretty early on. They haven't really found a bunch of guys they're interested in or they have. And here's here's what I'm imagining is happening. What I'm imagining is they've spent the last, whatever, four days just compiling names, going through every option, everybody they've worked with, um, everybody who they've heard of, everybody. This the same way that I have. Um, you know, I, I think I told you guys, I started with like 20, 20 names that came to mind, um, read up on them, saw who just got a new job, just, or is getting paid too much to do this, all that kind of stuff, or people who just wouldn't really fit for whatever reason, cut that down to 10 and then you're minus 10 and then start researching and say, Oh, look, I wonder who's Michigan state was reportedly interested in. I wonder if they'd be interested in this job. And then pulling in 20 more names, getting the list up to 30 and cutting it back down to the 15 or so they like. And then just going through that process of adding and subtracting and adding and subtracting. And for Rick George and Lance Carl, they're trying to get that down to five guys, four guys who they want to interview for the job. Um, And then they have the added step of reaching out to an agent and asking if they are interested in interview, all that different kind of stuff. Um, I would guess that here pretty soon, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe Monday's the day when we start hearing a bunch of names come out, you know, the, cause so far it's just kind of been whispers. And I guess the whispers I've been hearing are Ryan, uh, Walters makes a lot of sense to a bunch of people who are close to that process. And Cliss is hearing that the is a name that they're tossing around. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, but I did think that we'd be hearing a lot more about what's going on by now. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't really think that I have too much to add about that kind of stuff right now. Uh, we should probably check out the questions and then we can jump into a couple more guys who I've been thinking more about. And, uh, one name in particular that is standing out to me. Oh, wait. Before we move on, I should say that uh, Chris Fowler from uh, ESPN, he actually, I, I'm pretty sure he's alumni of Colorado. I just realized I don't, I've just like always assumed that. Um, so he's a college football writer and does some other stuff for ESPN. Um, I believe it's ESPN. Now I'm starting to question myself. It's it's definitely ESPN. He's definitely from Colorado. Okay. Um, but the point is he was on Instagram and posted a, a couple minute video. Um, and it was actually really interesting. The, the point was that he's been getting phone calls from people who are interested in the Colorado job and are wondering if he would reach out to Rick George and say, hey, you should have this name in the hat as you're going through this process. So Chris said that he isn't actually making those phone calls because as a journalist, it's not really his place to be pitching the guys that he covers um, or helping one of the schools that he covers and all that kind of stuff. So like ethically, he said that's wrong. He had some interesting thoughts on that. That's not probably nearly as interesting to people who aren't in media. So we're going to skip over those and get to where he said that a lot of the guys who are calling him are experienced coaches. He said they're experienced. They're guys who have 
track records of winning, people who are looking to get back into coaching. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and, and he said his biggest takeaway is that this job is very desirable. Um, and that's what we want to hear. There are some names there that jump to mind when you hear stuff like that. Uh, one of them is Brett Bielema, who I don't think we've talked about yet on the podcast, but you guys would know my thoughts if you've been keeping up with the list of candidates that I've been working on. Um, I know there's a lot of anti-Bielema sentiment, but I really think that there's a chance that he could do some special things at Colorado and that he would fit for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, so just to catch you guys up on who Brett Bielema is, uh, he, he guys, I think his first head coaching job was Wisconsin coach there from, let's call it 2008 to 2014. Um, might have been a little bit later than that, but, but it was right around that window. I think he, he had seven seasons there, uh, posted at least 10 wins in all but one um all winning records the one other was a nine win season his last three years there they went to the rose bowl they were definitely all winning seasons i don't know that they were all 10 wins but yeah so very successful at wisconsin and then gets offered a contract uh from arkansas and it's a big pay raise and he leaves, and things don't go all that well at Arkansas. Actually, I think, I mean, he was there for five years, and I think he had three winning seasons in those five years. So it's not like it was a dumpster fire, but I don't know. He, he couldn't get Arkansas over the top in the SEC. Uh, from there, he went on to be the uh, one of, I think, special a special advisor to Bill Belichick. Might been a, might have been his role with the Patriots. And then last year he was promoted uh, after one year in that role to defensive line coach. I I should have probably pulled up my notes on this, but yeah. So that's essentially his path uh, right now. He's the off or the outside linebackers coach with the Giants. He signed on to do that earlier this off season. Um, so that's where he's at. A lot of people don't like Bielema because of how he left Wisconsin. Very similar to how Mel left Colorado. You know, he was there longer for sure, but a, a, a lot of coaches have more positive sentiment because their previous spots that they were appreciate them more. There, there are some supporters out there who kind of shift the narrative in a more positive direction. Um, you know, you, you think of... Chris Peterson, for example, he he left Boise State for Washington, and he had a bunch of success at Washington as well, but Boise State, it seemed like mostly was at his back. Like, they understood the situation that he'd given Boise State so much that he had to go, um, and, and so there's a little more support. He isn't kind of this bad guy figure. Bielema, um, because of how he left Wisconsin, is not uh, a beloved figure. Um, I, I was actually talking to some Wisconsin fans a couple days ago about him and they said that they were mostly just angry that he left. And a lot of people don't like Bielema now, but the narrative that people at Wisconsin didn't like him, 
that wasn't real until after he burned them. You know, again, very similar to Mel. A week ago, we were all happy with Mel being the football coach. We thought he was going to do great things. Um, and then things changed, and now everybody's really mad at him and hates him. Uh, similar to what happened with Bielema there. Um, worth noting, I think, that that's kind of how that happened. Again, he builds from the trenches out, That just like Mel. He's physical. Um, that's the type of football he wants to play. He just wants to bully guys. Um, I think that that's what Colorado's trying to do. I'd like it. I think I would like it. There are a lot of guys I'd like, though. Um, he's just one of them who I'm adding to the list, and I think you guys should, too. Um, also, and this is a name that's, I, again, probably not going to happen. Better chance than Urban Meyer, though. I will say that. Uh, Bob Stoops, uh, who is actually, I think he's 58 now. Bielema's 50. Um surprised Bob Stoops isn't older to be honest so he is another guy who has a kind of interesting story but his is much different you know he he took over Oklahoma's football program a long time ago um in 1999 stuck there until 2016 had crazy success um 10 10 Big 12 titles in his 17 years, um, won a national championship, a bunch of Coach of the Year awards. And then in 2016, after the 2016 season, he retired. Um, Lincoln Riley obviously took his place. Lincoln Riley's been extremely successful. And that was kind of the plan all along, was to let Lincoln Riley develop for a few years. He stuck around longer because he knew this was the plan. And that after that season, Stoops would step aside and Lincoln would take over. And that was the transition. Um, from there, Stoops was like a, a special assistant to the athletic director, something like that. And got paid like $325,000 a year, I want to say. And then about a year ago, joined the XFL. He joined the Dallas Renegades as their general manager and uh, head coach. And uh, I think he took a pretty significant pay cut. I think it went down to one hundred and sixty-five thousand. Um, so it's not really about the money. So it, he's in a weird spot because he gets asked whether he's trying to get back into coaching because he did make the decision to join the XFL, and he won't shut it down. He won't say no. I actually don't want to be a football coach. This is what I want to do now. Um, but he won't really say the other thing either, that he is trying to get back into coaching college football. So that's an interesting spot for him to be in. Um, and it, it definitely leaves some room for speculation. And again, he's a great football coach. Uh, I know that there's probably some anti-stoop sentiment because he was at Oklahoma when Colorado was playing Oklahoma a whole lot. But again, wildly successful uh, he'd he'd pull in that recruiting area, this the old Big Eight type recruiting area, um, and really build that type of program. Uh, I love saying program. Um, I don't know. Again, probably a stretch. He's probably not interested, but it's a name to keep in mind. And 
boy would it be exciting if he decided that he wanted to come to Colorado. Okay, um, Mile High Green Cross is a great place to stock up on um, your marijuana needs. Um, because once a month, if you sign up for their loyalty program, you can receive 20% off your entire purchase. It's in a convenient spot right on 9th and Broadway. They offer parking in the back. They accept hyper, so you don't even need to bring cash with you. And on average, you get in and out in nine minutes. Again, it's the perfect place to stock up because once a month, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. And that offer actually extends to current members as well. Okay. Um, one comment we're going to get through before I head out. Lynchinator says, I'm surprised to hear how down you are on the enemy. At 50 years old, it's safe to say he's matured since his playing days. Also, he has gained a ton of experience working under Andy Reid. It seems like he'd be a home run higher, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it. And... <sighs> He's probably definitely matured. Um, I how could he not have you know um, if he's sticking around the way he's sticking around? Again, uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with Colorado probably not being the spot to go for him um, because the history is here. The Andy Reid thing is interesting to me. Um, back when he was coaching at Colorado, when he was offensive coordinator at Colorado. He had a reputation of being kind of a a loud guy. He he was he was a screamer. He he was that type of coach. You know, Jay Johnson is is a pretty like laid back type of coach. While you have guys like uh, I mean, Chev honestly can get a little bit fired up, but Bienemy was definitely the loud screaming type of guy. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's tough to connect, uh, sometimes with players with those kinds of coaches. Uh, and that's why it's kind of interesting to see what it's like working with, uh, Andy Reed, because Andy Reed is a totally different type of coach. I would say that Eric Bieniemy is way on one side of the spectrum. Like he is the end of that side of the spectrum and, Andy Reid is probably the entire opposite end of the spectrum. How much does that mellow him out? Who knows? How much does he need to mellow out? Who knows? But it's it's tough to connect with young people um, with that approach. Um, it's very different working in the NFL versus working in college. Um, in the NFL, obviously the guys make a lot more money, they're adults and that kind of changes their thought processes, but you typically don't get quite as frustrated with those guys because it is their job and they are more mature and you don't have to worry about, you know, you you don't have to go up to a kid and say, oh, did you go to practice or did you go to class today? All this kind of stuff. I heard you go to class today. It's it. There's a lot more babysitting going on in college athletics than there is in professional athletics. So while I'm sure, again, he's he's aged, he's probably grown up, all that kind of stuff. 
it's it you just don't really know and he hasn't really spent time in those situations um because he's been the NFL where everybody's a professional and whatever but but yeah so so there's there're definitely some knocks on B enemy um including honestly the fact that he hasn't landed a head coaching job um with the resume re- resume that he has and the experience that he has uh, there's got to be a reason for that um again he he didn't leave Boulder on good terms um from the people I've talked to there isn't a lot of love lost between the the people involved in the athletics department and Eric Bieniemy um for whatever reason and I wasn't here for all that um you know that's that's kind of what has soured me on him so yeah that's 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 kind of where I'm at um, again, though, you look at his resume and say, wow, you've been working with Patrick Mahomes. You've been working with Tyreek Hill. Bring some of that here. Um, and maybe he could. And I think that there's definitely that upside there. But at the same time, when you know that things are a little bit tense there already and you have other guys, you know, a Steve Sarkeesian, who is also risky, um, but for different reasons, he he had an alcohol dependency problem, um, but also his coaching background is probably a lot more impressive. You know, Andy Reid is the one calling the plays. Um, it's not like you're bringing in Kyle Shanahan, who is the chess master. Um, it's it's a different role that Bieniemy fills in Kansas City. Um, I don't know. I I don't necessarily think that it would just go badly. I think that there's definitely a potential for it to go well at Colorado. Um, but I think that he gets glorified a little bit because of his ties to the university, which it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing because there are bonuses that come with that it's easier to sell recruits on the fact that you're staying when you came through here on selling them that you actually like boulder and that you want to be in boulder even if you get offered more money um but also it can kind of tint your vision just a little bit too far and uh i don't know i will see how it plays out he he wouldn't be my choice and uh i don't know again there are so many people trying to get so much information out of all these different sources and sometimes it doesn't line up. And this is, it sounds like, uh, again, I was kind of surprised by Mike Kliss's report that Biennemi is the favorite. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. It's going to be interesting. Um, especially if we get to hear more about the conversations that are going on behind the scenes. I do think that in the next couple of days, things are going to start flooding out. We're going to hear who they're interested in interviewing. um, And then the next day who they actually are interviewing. And then we're only a few days out from a coach again. It's, it's moving slower than I thought. Um, At least the flow of information is moving slower um, 
they could have an interview scheduled for tomorrow and we just might not know about it. And that means they could get the contract done in time to introduce him at the USC game on Thursday. That's still on the table. Um, or they could introduce him on Saturday against UCLA. But I really do think that that's kind of the timetable that they do want to have some public event to bring somebody out to. They're going to rush it because of that, but that's the goal. That's definitely the goal. Um, and the rumors aren't spreading as quickly as I thought they would. Um, okay. I think that's going to do it for today. I'll be back with some more thoughts. If you guys have any takes, as always, let me know, throw it in the comment section for this post and we'll talk about that stuff tomorrow on Monday's podcast. Uh, thanks for listening as always. See you then. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya Hit ya You on your own now Why you watching the official You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle